Influencers for Good is a new ethical news platform dedicated to featuring incredible people doing incredible things for the planet according to five thematic pillars. People, planet, products, purpose, ideas and solutions. It is time to bring followers to what matters most, our planet and the good people working hard to protect it. A lot of the people and ideas featured on our platform and podcast don't have millions of followers, but they should. The problem is that they're too busy working really hard and we are here to give them a lift up with your help. So don't forget to follow, subscribe and share when you like our work. Welcome back on Influences for Good. Today, all the way from Perth, we're welcoming Sue Papadoulis. Hi, Sue. How are you? Hi. How are you? Thanks so much for having me along. Oh, I'm very happy that you joined because you're doing something very special. Well, first of all, a little background story on Sue. Sue is a very seasoned um, media uh, personality, journalist, uh, running a peer company, decades of experience uh, in TV, in radio, um, in the UK and uh, Australia as well, correct? Yes, that's right. Yes. Have, have I missed something out? No. <laughs> no, it was a good 10 so, years in the media, yes. And Sue is doing something very special at the moment. With all her media knowledge, she launched an initiative called the Good News Movement. What is the Good News Movement, Sue? The Good News Movement essentially is a platform to share positivity and share positive stories. Um, we like to ask people, you know, if you could join a movement that inspired a, a change in the way news is reported, would you join it? And usually most people, that's a resounding yes. And I guess it started really as a passion project. It still is a passion project. Uh, it started just as a way of marking a line in the sand, I guess, that, that we as ex-journalists, so in my PR company, I employ a team of former journalists, and I'm a former journalist, as you mentioned as well, that we wanted to demonstrate that good news does sell, that people are interested in good news, and there's all kinds of statistics that show that. Um, and we came from a very negative environment, having been in the media, uh, I had lots of stories about the, the terrible things that we reported on. And I suppose good news has always been something that I've been personally interested in. When I was in charge of a radio newsroom, I tried to launch a good news segment in the mainstream bulletin. So we would have a good news segment, which actually took a long time to get going because it was hard to find good news. I think mostly because of the lack of trust that people have. When you call an organisation and say, you're looking for a good news story, do you have anything to share? People didn't trust us and people wanted to get off the phone quickly because they were worried what we were gonna do with, with the story. So it was actually quite difficult to find good stories, but we persevered. It took us about two or three weeks to amass enough stories to have that happening every bulletin. And then we had it going for two days until the general manager of the radio station heard it and stormed into my office and basically said, I think he actually swore at me, but he said, get it off the air because no one's interested in good news. Um, so that's a long time ago, but that was really the start of it, I guess. And it kind of inspired me to think, well, you know what? I don't think that's right. And obviously I can't change it from the inside, um, but I've never lost that uh, idealism, I guess, um, to try and create some kind of change. So um, I've been working in my own PR agency for some time and felt like we really wanted to 
um, be a voice for positive stories and we, we do that with our clients but I wanted to do something more to take a bigger step towards that so I started this thing on Facebook <clears throat> excuse me and just a quick story I I was literally um, hopping on a plane I, I had been thinking about doing this for some time but I thought you know I'm, I'm going to set up a, a group right now as I sat in the waiting room to get on the plane um, so I sat, set up this group on Facebook um, and I posted about it on my Facebook page. I got onto a flight from Perth to Brisbane, which is about a five-hour flight, and I got off the flight in Brisbane and we had 500 likes on the page just by the name. So I knew that we were onto something and I knew that people did want good news. So that's really what it is and how it started. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, when you think about it, I can understand the distrust because we're just showered by um, negativity, which is also truth because these are things that actually happen in the world. And the truth is ugly things are happening in the world, especially right now, waking up to the news of new wars starting in the Middle East is just so upsetting. Um, and I don't know if there is any amount of great news that can counteract that, but you need somewhere to go and kind of restore a little bit of hope for humankind. I mean, before I even knew about the Good News Movement, and I know there's, you know, you are one, there's several other initiatives in different parts of the world called sort of similar names. I don't think we have anything in Europe, definitely we don't have anything in Italy, where I'm from. Uh, for me, the go-to place to restore faith in humanity was to go to the dodo, looking at stories of, you know, <laughs> very badly treated animals being rescued and mm. restored and uh, and given hope. And that for me is like, okay, okay, remember, remember that dog was on the verge of dying, somebody found it, and now the dog is doing really well. And, you know, there are great people, there is transformation is possible. Yes. But then we, it, it's very, when you don't have a place to have that same amount of like kitty showers, <laughs> You don't know if that's translatable to the human side of things. So it's, I think it's really paramount important what you're doing. I also think that there should be a vision of all these movements maybe coming together and doing something that maybe every paper should have a good news movement section within it so that you can take a breather while you're learning about the truth. You're also like, oh, okay, look at that. Yes, there are, you know... People are homeless, but look at this one. They got together. They found them a place. They, you know, there's other great things happening. Um, yeah. What is, um, what was the catalyst story for you as a journalist uh, that, you know, you covered that story and you went, oh, that's too much. I, you know, that's, that's something that I, I don't know if I can continue doing that and I need to maybe change the narrative. What was like a specific episode that happened? Um, look, there were a few, I suppose, but there was one that really stuck with me, which was a story, like many other stories that I've reported on, it wasn't actually a huge story, it wasn't, you know, it was a big story for the day, but it wasn't like a war breaking out or anything, you know, really significant. It was significant in the people who were affected and it changed their lives, um, and that story was about a, a traffic accident. So on that particular day, I had got up early. I was working the breakfast shift, so I was up in in at work by 5 a.m. at Bulletin started at 6. I was writing the news with some colleagues, and I was also presenting and reading the bulletins every half an hour. And what we do, and this still happens today, when you get into work as a journalist, the first thing you do is you call the police, the fire brigade and the ambulance to find out all the terrible things that have happened overnight. 
um, and that's what populates your first bulletins. So even that in itself, I now think is just absurd that that and that's why all those kind of crime stories and, and those terrible local you know accidents and those kinds of things are covered. Um, but that's what I did. That's what I've been trained to do in university. And that's certainly what we did um, in the newsroom that still happens today. So when I got to work and heard about this traffic accident that had just happened, I remember actually feeling quite happy. And I'm, I feel, you know, so remorseful and embarrassed that that is what I felt, but that is the truth. I was pleased that there'd been an accident because it gave me news for the morning. And often it can be a slow news day and there's nothing happening and it can be quite difficult to fill bulletins every half an hour. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I was pleased that there was a big story for the morning um, and over the period of the next couple of hours, police released different details as it came to hand about what was happening. There'd been this big accident, you know, the first story that it had happened, where it had happened, it was on a major highway, so it was going to cause traffic chaos. Then all the subsequent traffic stories we covered. Then we found out that it was a fatal accident, that someone had died. Then we found out that it had been a child had been killed. And the last story I did was um, was the last piece of information that police gave us at that time, which was police revealed the name of the child who'd been killed. So I read that story out like any other story. I didn't even think about it. And I came off, um, off air, came out of the studio, and one of my staff who I'd employed, she was young, she was a real uh, kind of tough, go-getting journalist type, and I, and I recognised her skills and abilities straight away, which is why I employed her. Um, but she said something that really shocked me. She swore and she said, there's some bitch woman on the phone. And when she said that, I just had a moment of, oh my gosh, who are you? Because I'm not like that. Um, and then she said something else that just really stopped me in my tracks. She said, as if it didn't mean anything, she said, I think it's the mother of the kid who was killed. And so I went into my office, I closed the door and I took that phone call and it was probably one of the hardest conversations I've ever had still to this day. Um, as you can imagine, she was absolutely devastated and I had just made her pain worse by naming her child. Uh, just as, you know, another throwaway line in a story as if it didn't really matter. And I often get teary when I tell this story because it really hit me in that moment what I had done. And I, you know, obviously she was aware of the accident, but there was a whole community of people who hadn't been told yet, knew the family, and had just learned about that tragedy by listening to me read the news. And I found myself with no excuse. I, I couldn't make up some reason as to why I'd done it. And I couldn't actually tell her why I'd done it, apart from the fact that police had released it and it was we were legally okay to do it. But I couldn't say that, obviously, because it, it was meaningless for me to say that. So the only thing I could possibly say was, I'm sorry. And I apologised deeply and profusely. And I got off the phone and I decided to do two things. The first thing was I decided to change the news policy so we no longer reveal the names of people who'd been killed in accidents um, because I realised in that moment it didn't add anything to the story apart from hurting the people who knew that person. 
um, and I decided ultimately to leave the profession because I thought I was at the top of my game. I was news editor. I was in charge of this newsroom. I had everyone, you know, reporting to me. There was no real place for my career to go apart from continue to do this. Um, and I thought, I don't want to keep, I don't want to ever have that kind of conversation again. And I don't want ever to have to do that kind of reporting again. Um, and, and there are journalists who, I guess, have had much worse experiences than me in that situation. Um, you know, many of my team had to go and front up to someone's house, knock on the door of someone who'd lost a loved one and ask them how they felt about it and put a microphone in their face, as well as covering dreadful crime uh, through the courts and, and hearing the most horrendous, intimate detail of crime um, and, and, you know, ourselves being offered counselling afterwards, having sat through a trial and determining what was palatable for the general public to hear. So there were just so many things that made me realise that journalism wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to change the world and, you know, right wrongs and, and do something positive um, and realised after 10 years that actually my original goal had been, um, I guess I'd lost it along the way. I'd lost it in the ego that comes along with working in the media of feeling like I was someone, that someone knew who I was, that it was important. It was always impressive when I told people I was a journalist um, and so I realised that my ego had got in the way and I decided to leave. So I went off and worked in PR in government and went and did that for several years before starting my own business. So yeah, there, there was that, I guess, pivotal moment that changed the direction of my career, which I'm very grateful for. I can't imagine being in that newsroom environment. Um, when I left Lots of people said to me, oh, you'll be back. You know, you can never lose, you know, once it's in your blood, you'll never lose that, that love of finding the news. And I knew in my heart of hearts I would never return. And I and unfortunately never have. So um, I feel really blessed to be doing what I'm doing now. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing such a story and, and a moment of vulnerability publicly. Um, and I commend you for, you know, taking... A lesson learned the really hard way and uh, turn it into something um, that could spin some positivity. I think we can definitely agree that over the years, media, um, you know, it's probably got worse. I remember moving here to the Middle East. I, I lived in several places. So I was in the UK, I'm Italian, and I moved to the Middle East, I'm in Dubai. Um, in Italy, we, we, at the time that I lived there, we the media was never really showing um, really gruesome stuff. You wouldn't see bodies. You wouldn't see dead people. I don't really know why. Why would you want to be confronted by something so tragic first thing in the morning when you read your news? Mm -hmm. But it is a body count in, in many different directions. So the good news movement. Let's talk about how yes. you're going to change <laughs> that. So when did it start? What was the year? What has been the progress so far? What is your vision? Where are you want to go with it? You said it's still like a side hustle, so it's, it's in parallel with what you're doing. But what is the ambition? What, what, if you could have it your way, what's the big dream there? Yes, well, I would say, um, well, it's been going for about five years. We share a lot of other other people's good stories. So we, we source stories from other media organisations. Um, 
I'm sorry, there's someone printing in the background, so I'm sorry if that's going to make a noise in the background. It shouldn't be too long, hopefully. Um, that's the noise of a printer. <laughs> that is the don't print anymore. A <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sitting in my home office, and yes, I've got some other people at home who are doing their thing. Um, yeah, so we share other media organisations' positive stories. We share our own clients' positive stories, and we share stories that people send to us um, who who have various things that are going on. So it might be a community group who are doing something to raise funds or to help a, a local family in need, that kind of thing. Um, we have looked at different business models because obviously we would love to be able to um, grow the good news movement. It's grown organically really successfully. Um, and where we've landed, because we know there are other good news services out there, um, and I think there's probably a, a bit of a struggle. I mean, all media organisations, I think, are struggling to identify a sustainable and, and scalable business model since the rise yeah. of social media and so forth. Um, where we've landed is in um, bringing together the PR company, Profile Media, and the Good News Movement, so that the stories that we have from our clients in Profile Media, we become good news consultants for companies. So when we take on a company and, and to raise their profile, we're looking for the good news stories within those organisations that aren't being heard. And really what we've identified is if we really want to create a change, it needs to come from more than one source of positivity that's just blasting out into the world. It needs to come from big organisations getting on board to see that the content they share, that's just as important. So if we could have social media platforms of major organisations sharing positive stories, then we would start to see a shift in the bias towards negativity. And really, so mainstream media becomes almost probably the last content provider that's stuck in this old way of thinking of focusing on the negativity. Um, so you know, big organisations, um, and we see it with all kinds of um, major philanthropists, you know, Richard Branson and other, you know, major people in the world looking at how do we change the global way of thinking about this. And so if we can get companies to start thinking about, right, what are our good news stories? Because obviously that's going to be good for the company to share those. And then those, those companies become a platform for good themselves. That's when we're going to start to see the shift and it's interesting because many companies actually shy away from telling good stories because they feel like they don't want to um, look like they're leveraging their good deeds. Um, but actually, there's a great way of doing that, which is to share the stories of the people that you help. So rather than a company saying, we're doing X, Y, Z, it's this person has been benefited from this company uh, and here's how their life has been changed and tell the story through the eyes of that person. So we're just... We're manufacturing a different way of looking at content creation, um, and that's where really we really see the good news movement um, becoming a much bigger um, way of changing a global perception. I mean, I think that so there's two things here. One, I think we are historically really bad at talking about great stuff. We are really good at talking about the gossip, the negativity, um, you know, the sharing the, the drama, because, of course, it's that, that kind of, you know, uh, 
awakens the, the, the gossip neuron in our head. So we're really good at doing that. But then when we are in group, we don't get together and go, okay, hang on a moment, I have the most amazing story. So hear this. And then it's a positive story of transformation of someone. People are just like, oh, yawn, you know, okay, whatever. You want to try to be happy. The world is ugly. Um, so there's the, the, I think this happens in groups. And, of course, people feel shy and shy and shy about coming out and being the, the good ambassadors of the positivity because it's not looked upon um, as the same way that you look at people providing gruesome news. And then the second part is um, you don't make money out of the good news. So good news needs to be monetized. So that would be the only appealing thing to any other um, online media outlet or printed paper would be if the good news starts selling more than the bad news, all of a sudden the world wants the good news because those are the greatest stories. So maybe the way forward is to get all the people that are working in good news movements together into a room. Maybe you all come to the Influencers for Good Summit that we'll do next year. And then we'll get our thinking hats on and maybe we'll invite some media people as well and we'll see how can we monetize happiness, good news, positivity in a way that favors everybody. Yeah, that, I absolutely. I think there does need to be a coming together and a conversation um, amongst people working in this, in this field to identify how it can happen and how people can work together. It's really interesting because there are... Um, there are shifts happening within the journalism world and there's a movement called constructive journalism. It's coming out of Northern Europe. Um, so Denmark and I think Norway and Sweden are, are pioneers in this area. And they're actually training up and coming journalists now in this new framework of constructive journalism, which essentially is covering stories as you would, you know, covering events that happen as you would normally. But you're looking at what happens, you're providing a different perspective, so you're looking for not only perspective on you know, the negative side, but also on the positive start side, what lessons can be learned from it, um, and then what people, what action people reading it can take to help affect change. And what they're finding is if people feel uplifted and people feel like there is a solution they're more likely to digest the entire story, read, watch, or listen to the end of it, and they're more likely yeah. to actually take action. So that gives me great hope that you know the way stories are written, so down to the grassroots of how do we write a new story, is changing, um, and and it's focused on there has to be more balance. It cannot be just about the negative to try and hook in that that human nature element that does get caught up in that negative. Um, but equally, there's lots of stories that demonstrate the economic case for positive stories. Um, you know, s positive content on social media is shared three times more than negative content. Uh, there's studies showing that people will buy more products from a company that advertises alongside a positive story and loss, less products and services from a company that advertises alongside a negative story. So it is in the media's best interest to get on board and to see a different way of operating. And I feel like until they do that, they're going to con continue to see their market shares fall, which has been an ongoing issue for them for many years now. Um, so there was a story that kind of like got you out of being a journalist and into the good news movement. And now that you've been doing good news movement for five years, 
is there a story of the good stories that have warmed you up so much that is the one that you go back to when you feel like a little bit like, oh, this is hard. Maybe this is not going the way it should be. Let me let me think, why is it that I'm doing? What is that story? Is there one? Yeah, um, I'd love to say there's one, but there's just so many. And I think that's what people Can don't share realize. You? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I guess we talk about ourselves internally, what constitutes good news? So what are we actually talking about? Um, you know, and there are some major things happening in the world that are positive that don't see the light of day, such as giant pandas are no longer extinct. Um, Yay! <laughs> but our childhood cancer rates are falling. You know, there's all these things that are happening that don't get don't get covered. Um, but it's often just the simple things that we we talk about. You know, those kinds of stories are definitely interesting. But we see what what lights up on social media, and it's often um, random acts of kindness, um, you know, strangers doing good things for, for people. In fact, if I think back to one of the first stories that really um, set the scene, I suppose, for the good news movement was as simple as a traffic warden, you know, the guy who stands at the road with the stop sign and the go sign because there's some construction happening or something. Um, and one of our team was, was travelling on holiday and her, with her family and they came across this traffic warden who was rather than just standing there and directing traffic he was dancing he was you know doing these great moves across the road and making it fun for people to wait in line and so they weren't bored just sitting there or getting frustrated so she took a video of that um, and we up uploaded it to the Good News Movement, and it went bananas. We ended up with 660,000 views of that video. And then the, some of the people who knew this guy was tagged him into it. So then we got in touch with the traffic warden. And as it turns out, he was a, he was a kind of wannabe um, singer and performer. And so we managed to then use our skills in the PR side to get him onto a national TV program. So he oh, got wow. onto a TV program called Sunrise in Australia, was interviewed, and he got then a, an opportunity to perform. I think he got a job somewhere doing some kind of performing. Um, so just, Oh, we lost the most amazing traffic warden ever yeah. to music. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, dang. <laughs> that's right. So he was thrilled that that and I think, well, that kind of stuff is meant to be, you know, like there was no way that he could have ever planned. You know, he'd been, he told us he'd been to so many auditions and just wasn't getting anywhere. And then because he was just living his best life and, and not being unhappy, but deciding to enjoy the moment. Doing, yeah. 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 Someone filmed it that he didn't even realize that had happened. He put it up online. He didn't even realize that had happened. And then someone tagged him in. And before you know it, he's on TV and off he goes on his career. So I guess that's the, that's the power. That's the power of those positive stories. That's amazing. Um, so for the people listening, the Good News Movement, everybody can contribute to it, right? Anybody from anywhere, if they have some good stories, you can yes. head over to thegoodnewsmovement.com and you can submit your story and yes. it will be featured and uh, it doesn't matter where you are and so long as that is a, a nice positive uh, um, you know filled with good emotions type of story yes absolutely and look we're always on the lookout for content so 
it can be a really you know incredibly impactful story of, of you know something happening in climate change or um, a big big political shift or something or it can be as simple as a random act of kindness and what we do find is it's usually those simple stories that people relate to I guess because it feels like there's someone like them you know that that, that traffic warden was just a regular guy and I think people really do relate to that because I think well gosh that could have been me I could I could be doing exactly the same thing um, yeah so absolutely we're always after contributions and what about the audience of the good news moment do you have any stories of anybody that has reached out to you after reading or being on the platform for a while and going you know this is just what I needed. This is what happened after I started reading your good news. Any major shift or, or some other positive story that comes out from the audience side of things? Um, we get a lot of people just messaging us and saying it's just such a great way to start the day. And, yeah. you know, as you said, you know, you don't want to start the day filling yourself with negativity. But if you can come in and, and kind of get that tailor-made little burst of positivity, it sets you on the right frame of mind and so I, I, I'm not sure that anyone's shared that they've had a major personal shift but we do get people telling us thank you thank you so much for doing this because it just helps me get my day started and I just really believe in the ripple effect you know um, someone feels good they give a compliment to someone else and it just expands from there so I think if we all had that same mentality what a shift we could make in the planet. So what are the things that you have in store from um, for, for the audience for the future? So right now it's a, a, um, a collection of good news. Do you have ideas for involving the public in doing more action-driven, like the same way you help the, the traffic warden get the audition? I'm sure there are other ways that people watching and reading could actually contribute to advance something for someone is that in the plan or not really or what um, kind of I, ideas do you have there brewing yeah look I think really our ideas at the moment and, and look, we've spent some time reaching out to other good news collectors of other good news stories around the world and having conversations um, and really what excites me I think the most is the opportunity to get inside major corporations the minds of major corporations and encourage them to step into this world of sharing more positivity for the greater good. And we're seeing such a shift now with companies looking to demonstrate purpose, to becoming yep. better corporate citizens. So yep. um, even if it's not necessarily driven from a place of pure um, positivity, then, I mean, they may be going, well, this would be good for the bottom line. So be it. That's great that it's good for the bottom line. Um, yeah. And I think that's really where... The two things don't have to compete with each other. You can no. spread the good news and you can also make money and that just makes everybody happy. You just don't want to do maybe, I don't know, is there such a thing as good news washing? I guess yeah. it's something we would want, <laughs> Possibly. probably. Possibly well, the yeah. only time that the word washing attached to something else would actually make sense. I'd be like, yeah, sure, do it. You know, yeah. that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's what PR people refer to as spin. Um, but they're probably bad news washing, actually. <laughs> they're trying to make yeah. a bad news story sound good. Um, but, no, I, you know, I think it, it's really just companies realising. And look, lots of companies do amazing things. They just don't talk about it so much. Right. And they get the good so... stuff remem remains always hidden somewhere. You know, yeah, I think it never it's... takes the public eye. No, I think it's, um, I don't know if you've heard of the tall poppy syndrome. We have, have you heard of that? 
No. No. Okay. Time. Must be an Australian thing. <laughs> it's called the, <laughs> it's called the tall poppy syndrome. It's I know it's in New Zealand, um, but it's essentially um, cutting down anyone who puts their head up and tries to say something positive or do something positive because it's that kind of um, self. Um, you know, we, sh we should be self-deprivating. We shouldn't be talking about the good things that we do. It's that mm. mentality. Um, so it, it's a cultural thing, and that's certainly alive and well in Australia. So it's almost uh, a no-no to talk about good things that you're doing because you don't want to be seen to be showing off or something along those Which lines. Which is weird because we live in a culture of social media self-obsession yes. where everyone who has an account is just pretty much just doing that. Me, me, yeah. me, look That's at me, right. I'm living the perfect life. Yeah, yeah, it's really so. odd, yeah. So so I think companies have a bit of a hang-up about talking about the good things. So you, you even see companies that donate time and money to fantastic organisations and and things that are changing the world, not really wanting to be seen to be doing it because they don't want to be benefiting from their good deed or something like that. So what I'm trying, what we're wanting to do is to demonstrate to organisations that you can absolutely share these stories and if you share it from the perspective of the person, the individual that's been benefited by your actions, then that's a great way of doing it. You don't have to talk about XYZ company has done this great deed, talk about the child, get get the child to tell you what it's meant for their life. And, and that's where you're going to get that human connection and authenticity. So for me, it's a, what gets me excited about this is a global shift towards how we perceive the content that everyone shares and, and really getting big organisations on board and thinking about this. And, and we talk about now in Profile Media that we work with CEOs and companies that want to have a positive impact and make a difference. And so now we're giving them that mechanism to do that. So if we come in as good news consultants, then we can help them share their good news stories. We can share them on the good news movement and they can share them themselves. Because ultimately, uh, the good news movement is not about a money-making exercise. It's not you know, if the media did change the way they reported on news so there was more positivity, I would be over the moon. It would mean the good news movement probably didn't have to exist anymore. Mm -hmm. That's totally fine. Like, I want organisations, yeah. I want media to have this shift. And Because it, let, let's be honest, the work right now looks like a very ugly place. There's so many bad things happening every day. But what I always wonder, like especially maybe in the case, I go back to Italy because it's what I'm most familiar with. What I can't stop noticing is that every day, every day, every day, there are stories about women being attacked, raped, beaten, killed ultimately by their psychopath ex boyfriends, spouses, mm. divorced ex-husbands, etc., etc. And I always wonder, is that is it that it that it has increased, or is it just that we're just talking about it a lot more because now we have social media, and we yeah. were just not talking about it before, and so it's not like the ugliness has increased. It's just that we have given it so much more space to report on that, and then we have stopped completely sharing positivity. 
And so it's completely out of balance. And it's not that the, the world is particularly ugly. Like you said, there's, some, there's great things like pandas, hey, <laughs> and cancer down kids, yay. But we don't talk about that. We yeah. talk, we focus so much on the one kid that didn't make it. Yeah, And then th- that kind of obliterates maybe all the improvements on a larger co- curve uh, that involves different countries of different age groups of children that are actually doing better because science is doing better. Yeah. And so all the donation to all the cancer research bodies around the world are actually being put to great use. But then yes. we focused on that one story and that it's completely heartbreaking and we don't see anything else. Yes, and, and there's research. There's a, a professor from Harvard University, Stephen Pinker, who talks about mm-hmm. this a lot. Yeah. And he says, yeah. you know, that the world is actually um, a much better and more peaceful place than it has ever been in history. But we focus on the one or two small things that are happening, um, you know, and that drowns out all the rest. So, of course, when, when we said that um, Russia had not started a war with Ukraine yes, and Israel true. and Palestine and all that, so maybe, maybe specifically, specifically not today, but generically, we, we had been at a greater place of stability across the board, and there's still a lot of hope for striving for that, but it's very yes. hard to focus on positivity and positive action when you have so much anger brewing inside of you because of all the bad things that are keeping yes. happening. How can you, you know, how, how can you look at a human and go, yay, humans. I mean, everybody's like, no, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, there's a, it, it's very hard to rise, rise out of that and to put it to one side. I mean, but I see people all the time who say to me, I don't read the newspaper anymore. I don't watch TV news mm. because it's too much. So that's yeah. what I would love for the media to realise, that they ha- they're they losing an audience. Um, and so yeah. I, I do see, um, particularly since post-COVID, I do see um, media having a greater focus on good news. I have seen a few TV programmes and, and newspapers dedicating time and space to good news. I have a regular, which is what I tried to do many, many years ago, and, and it was kind of drowned out and told to take off air. Um, so I do, I do believe there is a shift happening, and I do think that social media has the power to drive that in a bigger way than mainstream media. So um, we just need more people to become ambassadors for it, to mm. more people and their organisations to become ambassadors for oh. how do we share positive stories. Everyone has a responsibility, I think. Good news are the best way to fight crime. Because when your heart is connected to the right place, when you feel the sense of purpose, when you are happy and kind and gentle, there's no way you're going to harm anyone. And you're going to think so much longer before you do something wrong because you have, you know, all that good within you. Um, So good news are an avenue to reach that. Obviously, people that commit horrible acts are you know, in a multi-layer uh, uh, analysis, completely out of balance with everything that makes up a good human. They're yes. probably alone and scared and mentally imbalanced because they are alone and scared and maybe bad treated and bad history. They've never had an act on, of kindness. Maybe they've never been on the receiving end of something good. They've only seen the ugly. Um, they don't even know that maybe it's a possibility that could happen to them. Yes. Yeah. That's why it's much easier to stick to ugly. 
Um, but then if we have these amazing sources of positivity, of directing people even for help, because I guess Good News Movement is also telling people when you're feeling down, this is where you go. Yes, I remember yes. the time where at the beginning of this, um, um, what are they called, uh, flash mobs. When, oh, yeah. were, when, when people were doing the flash mobs in London, and then all of a sudden you would find people just giving out free hugs. And it was just the beginning of something that nobody quite understood yes. what it was, what was it meant for, you know, what is it? Yeah. Um, but free hugs are the best thing ever. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and just that... witness, witness, you know, strangers that mm -hmm. are like, oh, my God, I'm so alone. This is all I needed today was an yes. hug and somebody told me I'm going to be okay. Absolutely. And I, and I go back to what I said, that it, everyone has a responsibility. I mean, I remember when my daughters were younger, we, you know, often, probably once every fortnight, I would buy, once every two weeks, I think that's an Australian term, um, I would buy a bunch of flowers and we would be in a shopping centre and I would get the girls to go and hand a flower to a stranger and tell them they were doing random acts of kindness. And Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, it was just fantastic. And they just loved doing it, absolutely loved it. They would ask, Mum, can we go and do random acts of kindness? Because they got Aww. so much out of it. They got so much personally out of it. You know, we've always gone and shaken the can for the for the charity appeal at the shopping centre. And I would say to the girls, don't go and sit behind the desk. Go and stand up and smile at people and tell them what you're doing. And and they had a great time and learnt so much from those experiences. So I think it doesn't take much to brighten up someone's day. And I think everyone has an opportunity to do that it's not a difficult thing to do so if we all did that imagine what a difference that would that would make yeah and sometimes it's just a random paying compliments to people yes. even if you don't know them everyone has something nice about them even if you barely know them and um you know i'm sure that also being a journalist being with people with cameras and behind cameras or television you see through the lens different things oh, yeah. i remember being at an event and photographing friends that were at the event but when I was going up to them I'd just tell them like you look amazing you know that and the picture before I said that and the picture after I said that you see two different people yeah completely yes. two different people and it's like wow the light that shines just when you you know rub a little bit of kindness um, yeah. on someone is uh, is really powerful yeah and, and so, again it's that ripple effect right so talking about the ripple effect where do you hope that will go Tell me, five more years from now, what do you want for the Good News Movement? What can we do at Influences for Good to help in that direction? Yeah, look, I would love people to jump on socials and like our page. I tell people that if you like our page, it's a, it's a vote for more positivity in the world. Um, and I would, love, um, I would love to see major corporations getting on board with, with helping to identify good news. That, that's really where I see the growth happening. So I would love in five years for the stories that we're sharing on the Good News Movement to be profiling some great work that major corporations are doing globally um, to really affect significant change for the planet. Um, yeah, I mean, that that to me is the answer. It's it's bigger than the the community because we know the community does amazing things for each other. Where, the, where, cha where real change will happen is at a higher level and and we can we can come at it from both angles, I suppose, the community side of things and the corporation side. So that's really that corporate world is is the big one that I'm going after in the next five years. 
That's amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us today. For everyone listening, thegoodnewsmovement.com. Go, like, share, submit your stories. I'm sure that everybody knows something nice that has happened. Or if you feel a little low today with everything that is going around us, which is absolutely terrible, maybe you want to take a break, do some breathing exercise, and then read about them on the homepage now. Um, 143 acts of kindness in 44 days. It feels really amazing. A man who saved a stranger from train tracks surprised with a car. Or an indigenous mother and son that find a home after being without one for two years. So go there, read up, just remember that there is hope, but also that we create hope. And we create that by being kind, first and foremost, to everyone. Thank you, Sue, and uh, we'll check back with you, and I hope to meet you in person here in Dubai at the Influences for Good Summit next year, um, and stay in touch. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Influences for Good podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, check our news platform, InfluencesForGood.blog, for more content about our guests or to collaborate with us.